Welcome to episode 13 of the Graph Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Fairholm. Today we are talking with instructor Alex Forte, the VP of Golf Development at Graph and creator of The Art of Simple Golf. Alex has built a YouTube channel with nearly 86,000 subscribers. There's a lot of great stuff in there, and I put a link to his channel in the description below. But today he is on the Graph Podcast to talk about how to hit a driver, everything from setup, swing. He has some great advice on tee height and ball position. A lot of really great stuff in this interview. We are going to continue our Behind the Ball series with the next episode as we talk to Mike Eberly, a co-founder of Graph and the company's CTO. That will be coming out the last week of July for episode 14. We're going to talk to Mike about his experience in golf, the idea for Graph, the software development side of the company, and a lot more in that interview. If you missed our first installment of Behind the Ball with Rowan Fraser, Graph's VP of Marketing and Design, that was episode 12. I highly recommend that one. It may have been my favorite episode of the podcast at this point, so go check that out. And remember, if you want to reach out to us about the podcast or to learn more about Graph, feel free to send us an email at theclub@graph.golf or DM us on Instagram. And now, our conversation with Alex Forte talking all about how to hit a driver. When you look at a great driver of the golf ball, what are some of the keys and setup, like some of the, the basic fundamentals that you kind of see that go throughout, you know, most great drivers of the golf ball? Well, the thing is, when we look at, I mean, even the, the elite players or weekend hackers, there's a big difference in obviously lots of facets of the game, but too many recreational golfers forget that a driver setup compared to an iron is really quite different. And that is because our uh, the way we want to be approaching the golf ball, attacking the golf ball with that club head has to be very different because of the different length of the club, but also because of the loft and the way we are striking it from a tee peg, like the ball is up. And we do not want to be striking the, the ball downwards. And that's something that we want with an iron, yes, to get that compression, you know, for that angle of attack to be a little bit steeper, not too steep, but a little bit steeper is going to compress the ball between the club face and the turf to get that squeezing effect to, you know, and the backspin to create the velocity that we want with the well-struck iron. But if we do that with the driver, that's often going to cause too much spin, which causes loss of distance. And, you know, because of the lack of loft on a driver, it's any sort of side spin is going to be accentuated as well. So we hear all the time that, uh, oh, you know, I hit my irons well, but I'm struggling with my driver. It's like, well, yes, the driver in some ways is the hardest club in the bag, but it really is if you still are trying to set up to it and strike it very similar to an iron. So when we look at, you know, let's say Rory McIlroy, he's often renowned as one of the best drivers of the golf ball ever. You know, when even the top pros like say, who's the best driver, they'll pretty much pick Rory because he's a little wee lad, but he smashes it a mile and it's relatively effortless. Uh, but he also struggles with his shorter irons. So even for him, his swing is more designed to be good with longer clubs as opposed to shorter clubs. And it's just the, a lot of it is just the way, I mean, some of it is confidence and he's almost programmed that way now, but 
a lot of it is just the way he sets up to the ball. Um, he's just able to get behind a little bit more, and his angle of attack is just that much more shallow coming into it, which means he's going to get it on the upswing, which is going to reduce the spin, which is going to give a longer sort of uh, somewhat straighter arc and path to create more consistency, but that velocity to launch it on that correct you know, launch angle to get the distance. So too many golfers set up with either too much weight on the front foot. And this is often kind of derived from wanting to hit the ball harder and hit at the ball. But with a, a driver, we want to very much be swinging through it, like the ball just gets in the way. And that's what a lot of the best drivers in the world have done. Then they don't look like they're hitting at it. They look like they're just swinging and slinging the club through and the ball gets in the way. So the setup has to have a little bit more tilt, meaning the trail side a little bit lower, just so that angle of attack can come from a, a lower angle to sweep the way up. And the way to sort of think about it is imagine you're holding a big uh, sweeping broom you want to be brushing the ground several feet behind it and slinging it through that way. That's a wonderful drill that most people could do if they got a broom at home just to feel that. It's not going to work with your wedges and nine irons so much, but it is really going to help the driver. And, and one thing that Rory does that I like a lot is creating width on the, on the backswing. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of people, they maybe start their backswing with the driver and they just kind of start with their arms and kind of lunge their arms and extend them out away from them without really moving their body. But it seems like he does a great job of starting his body turning back and his hips turning back at the same time that he is really kind of letting that club uh, get a little bit outside his hands on the, on the backswing. What? Well, yeah, there, there's something a bit, a bit different that people get wrong is that we, we, when, what he does very well and a lot of golfers do obviously, but what he does very well, he actually starts his swing from the ground mm. up you see he's kind of moving and there's a little shift as he takes the club away so anyone that's listening just sort of watch it next time he's driving the ball there's you can see his foot at his right foot just sort of move slightly and he's he's starting to transfer his weight and it's only a, a fraction of a movement but he's shifting behind like uh, back towards his backswing to start that movement He's not just whipping the club in the inside. He's not just using his hands. He's using that momentum to gather it. And the weight of the club just gets pulled as an occurrence behind him, which gives him that width. So, yes, he's turning his hips. He's turning his, his core and his rib cage, and the club just follows. But he's not doing it by moving the hands first and then trying to physically turn the core. It's, it's going to happen a lot uh, more frequently and not more naturally when you start the swing with the bigger muscles and allow momentum and flow to help. And the more we try and manipulate the wrist, especially with the driver, to try and get that wrist hinge on the way back, we have to have soft wrists. And that's what he does very well. He has very soft wrists and the club will hinge as it needs to, um, but with the consistency and that width you were talking about. So he can gather it behind and really sort of load up and get behind the ball, but it looks effortless because he's using those larger muscles. A couple of questions I wanted to ask you. One, 
ball ball position because a lot of people just say inside of your left foot. Well, where where do you where do you fall on ball position? Well, the, the thing with that is you can have it inside your left foot, but if your if your upper body is leaning too much towards the ball, if your right side is sort of cramped over, like if you're a right-handed golfer and your right arm is dominant and your your shoulders are open and you've got too much weight on your front side, the ball is not going to be correct. So the the feet uh, is an, a decent sort of um, checkpoint, but it's also going to vary depending on how wide your stance is, how your spine angles are and things like this. So what people can do to sort of find their best neutral driver position is number one, sort of stand up. Like everyone can do this now as they're listening. They can stand there, um, no club or anything, stand up and just make a slight jump in, in the air, not thinking too much, and just see like both feet leaving the ground and see where your feet end up. Okay, make a decent jump up in the air and see where your feet end up. That is about as neutral and natural a stance width as you're going to get that is designed for you. That's your sort of optimal kind of balance point type of thing. Mm. So we have that. Then all we need to do is put our hands on our front thighs. Uh, I'm, I'm talking right-handed golfer, but now I'm going to slide my right hand down the front of my thigh towards my knee. Now I can actually take hold of the club with the correct spine angle, right? I've got the balance in my feet. I've got the weight distribution correct. And now all I need to do is take the club. And the best checkpoint for ball position is actually to feel like the, the shaft, the club, and the ball is about over my left pec or logo on my shirt or something like that. And that's going to feel like the ball is just behind my uh, lead sort of ear, like you can draw a line straight down there. So it feels like already I don't have to make such a big backswing to, you know, I don't have to try so hard to get behind myself and to get that width that you mentioned earlier. So from here, I can use that momentum to take that takeaway. And without too much effort, I've made a half, three quarter golf swing easily with less uh, movement required because I got that setup right. And from here, as long as I don't do anything too funky, I'm going to be hitting the ball on the upswing to get that sort of spin ratio that we want to get the most distance. And the other question I wanted to ask was, as it relates to tension, because that to me is a big thing in driving a golf ball. Oh, that you man, you yeah, try to yeah. grip it as hard as you possibly can. You're trying to squeeze it and think that that's going to relate to uh, to as much distance as you can get. How, how would you describe the amount of tension that you think is probably the, the one that most people should probably try to try to attain? Well, the, the way, I mean, you, you are spot on, like I would say nine and a half out of 10 golfers are trying too hard with tension and force to hit the ball further. They are, you know, it's this almost Neanderthal instinct to hit at it, to hit it harder but usually that just screws us up. It defeats the purpose because we cannot move that club head as fast as possible with tension. The forearms are too tense. The arms are too tense. There's just no flow. Like if you were to throw a ball, whatever, you wouldn't be gripping it to death. You wouldn't be squeezing your forearms. You wouldn't be tense. You wouldn't be locked before you start. You would just be moving. You'd feel the weight of the, the ball and you just draw it back and release. It would be very fluid. 
it would be exceptionally fluid. And um, what would happen is the way we can sort of do that is it's not so much about the grip because we still want a good firm grip on the club because we don't want it flying out of our hands. But it's also a matter of where you're gripping the pressure. We really want it on the lower, you know, pinky and ring finger on the right hand. And again, more of the lower fingers on the, the lead hand. But we, so with a firm grip, but we want soft wrists. The more supple and soft you can have the wrists. Um, I mean, think of, it's kind of an extreme example, but it's going to be in most people's memories, like a Colin Montgomery. Very fluid and languid. And Fred Couples is the same. Uh, Ernie Els was kind of similar as well. But these people delivered exceptional, you know, solid power, but with relative ease. And a lot of it derived from just having supple wrists and forearms and allowing that movement just as you would anything else in life. Having that momentum, having that fluid essence and that flow. So the more people can think about flow in the swing, doesn't necessarily have to mean slow. Smooth is a good word, but oftentimes when people are trying to swing smooth, they, they don't like it. People still want to hit it fast. So let's just try and add flow and suppleness and softness in the arms and the wrists. And every single time when my students try this, whether in person or online or any of my videos, it's like, wow, that really transformed. It just felt effortless because we're allowing gravity we're allowing everything to assist us instead of fighting against it and when we do that also it's going to help our mindset to swing through the ball with more uh, velocity and freedom to where we want the ball to go as opposed to hitting at it mm. so the more we hit at it not only does it slow us down it causes swing faults like over the top too much spin all this kind of rubbish and i was going to mention that I, in my opinion, you know, having that proper tension that you just described, it really allows that club to drop more towards the inside of your body on the way down and you're, you're, you aren't going over the top. I feel like having a lot of tension a lot of times does kind of promote that over the top move. What about, what about the downswing in general? What, what are some of the things that you're looking at? Yeah. So you're, you're, you're right. The, the, the move, the tension I mean, again, I use the, the throwing the ball analogy. Mm. If pretty much anyone listening went to throw a ball, they're not really going to come over the top. They're not going to sling it way left and cut it, you know, and it's not going to spin, but it's not going to be that way. Why? Because we are just allowing the arms to flow in a more natural sequence through to the target. So the, the main feeling is just to not rush it, to feel like even at the top of the swing, we, we want to be using the, the, the ground to sort of grab uh, our movement. But one of the keys is to allow those arms just to drop. And it's one of the keys to the longest hitters is their first move. And most of the uh, top players, most of the top players move their hands as uh, more or less as quickly as they can from the top of the swing. And then they move the rest of the body all the way through. But it doesn't mean they rush from the top. So it is a subtle drop. But the softer we feel with the, the wrists and the arms and the heavier they feel, the easier that's going to be. And it's just going to happen more naturally. But if you're, you're right. If you're tense and you're trying to drop the arms, it just feels awkward. You get stuck. And then like this doesn't work. And then you move on to something else. 
So it is the tenant, but the, the downswing, the more people can, you know, if people are struggling with their driver, uh, what I'll always suggest is, you know, let's say we've got a scale of one to 10, tee some balls up and start with one or two out of 10 as far as slow and smooth, like feeling like you're only trying to hit it 70 yards. Then you go up to 110 yards, whatever, and you just slowly ramp it up until you're hitting it nice and smooth and solid. Because if we get solid contact, we're going to hit it further anyway. But we don't do it by trying to rush at it or speed it up too much. Um, and so that's a wonderful drill. And usually by the time people get to like six or seven, they're hitting it perfectly long and fine. And they're like, man, this is easy. So that's a wonderful way to do it. But one of the things to, to feel if, for those golfers looking for a bit extra is to remember that, yes, we want the hands to move as quickly as possible, but we also have to use the ground. And people think I've got to clear my hips and spin my hips out the way. The problem with that is it's sort of like an arbitrary movement in space, right? It's what are we opening them up to? What are we spinning them out with? Like, are we pulling them open? Okay, that feels, if I'm not, it goes back to Newton's third law, I think it was, of opposing forces. So what actually happens is when we push into the ground, it actually propels us because of friction. It propels us in the opposite direction. So with the lead side from the top of the swing, I drop the hands. This is what I want people to do is drop the hands. But as we kind of get down to like mid chest height, the feeling is to actually push the lead side um, into the ground so the lead knee is going into the ground what's going to happen as long as you've got flow it's actually going to be pushed back sort of away from us so we're opening up and clearing ourselves out of the way to get that distance that we need and it's so people like often i've got to open the hips and they see on tv uh the pros they're so open at impact so then they're just trying to open the hips they're trying to spin them open but it's a very weak shot and not only just accentuates the, the slice, it's just a weak movement. What they don't realize is they're doing it by pushing into the ground, but because there's nowhere to go, it, it automatically clears out the way. So by understanding opposing forces, that is a, re, uh, a really key, powerful move that people can train to see amazing results, not just with the driver, but to get more power and velocity with every club in the bag, but especially the driver. I, I love that description. And uh, the, the, the last thing that I wanted to ask was uh, I, I was watching a video recently of, of Rory and they asked him to hit a normal driver. And then they asked him to hit kind of what he calls a bullet, uh, kind of a lower uh, lower shot that goes about you know half, half as high as, uh, as his normal driver. And he kept his tee height the same. And I think this is something that a lot of people get confused at where they, if they feel like they want to hit a low driver, they, they put it, you know, maybe half as tight, tee it up about half as high yeah. as normal. Yeah. Um, but what are you kind of, what would your advice be on, on tee height? Well, here's the thing. When you tee the ball low, it's subconsciously or consciously, it's going to make you want to sort of hit mm. down on it a bit more to get it up. So what that does can, it can create more spin which kills distances and can actually hit the ball higher because you're creating more backspin right so hitting it you know teeing it higher even into wind um or if you're 
you know, or just keeping it the same height has so many different benefits. Like, do you remember those tea pegs? You don't seem to see them as much often anymore. And I don't know why, because they were actually great if you got the, the right length. But those want the, I think they were called castle teas or something. Um, they sort of were like chunkier and you could only tee them down a certain height. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's like you had predictability. And people don't realize that how much it changes. Um, you know, we always talk about the lies on the fairway. You know, if the ball is even just an inch above your feet, that's going to affect like, oh, why don't I hit it well on the course? It's because, you know, it's not like a flat mat or practice ground. You're not used to adjusting that well. And the same you could hit, you know, 50 drivers and let's say 20 of them were off exactly the same T height and they were pretty damn good because you've got continuity, you've got consistency there, you've got a foundation. And we talk about getting the setup right. But if you keep having even just a slightly different T height, it is going to affect your strikes tremendously. So it is very important to just for consistent, solid strikes to get the same T height. I forget to do that often. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll tweak it a bit, and you just sort of put it down. And I mean, heck, I bet you've been there. You've put your driver next to the ball, and like, ah, oh, it's a bit low, whatever, and I'll hit it. And it, it, we don't give that enough credit of not of causing some errant or not quite as good a drives. And it's so simple, but it's so overlooked. So yeah, Rory's spot on, but it's something we all do. Um, because we're stupid. I know. The amount of times I've had a shot directly into the wind and you go, oh, let me just tee this down a little bit and that's going to help. And it really, a lot of times it, it, it has a uh, counter effect. It's not it's not very successful. And you, you yeah, just add a lot and, more spin, and on as that, you said. Yeah. And, and on that, it, it leads me to one of the tips I did want to give is um, one of the, I mean, I actually did this when I almost first started, like when I was about 16, 17. I remember reading a, a thing in uh, a magazine about Nick Faldo and he was saying about improving driving and he actually was teeing up his three wood. I mean, bear in mind in those days, three woods were like tiny, right? <laughs> but he was teeing up his, I mean, a three wood nowadays is almost like a driver used to be, but anyway, um, but he would tee up his three wood high or at least as high as his driver. Okay. And have to, basically sweep that driver that that three would like he would his driver and that would get us you know going back to the beginning of the conversation where we're talking about the the approach and the the launch angle right that would keep give him a constant to make sure that he was sweeping it rather than hitting at it because if you tee that three wood up and you're skying a few or not getting them right it shows that your angle of attack is wrong and sure you might get a few sky marks on top of your three wood but i tell you if you care about your three wood you're gonna adapt and learn pretty damn quickly how to stay sort of pretty flat as you swing through the ball and just to sweep it through and you if you're not comfortable doing a, a three wood at first you can just try an iron even wedges tee up a wedge really high and just try and clip it off the top actually we um lee westwood does this quite often pretty much every week and he's been one of the best drivers of the golf ball for a very long time like very consistent not maybe the longest hitters but a superb driver of the golf ball he has consistently practiced using a wedge off a high tee or as high as his driver and yeah okay there's obviously variables like the clubs are different length different weight but he's training himself to sweep it off the tee and the more we can do that 
that's going to help you drive. It's a very valuable lesson. And Alex, thanks for thanks for coming on and uh, talking a little driver with us. We'll have to have you on again another time to uh, to go through some of the no, other. Well, good. Hopefully people hopefully people can take one or two of those things away and apply them. Very much uh, thankful for right. for you for you coming on. Uh, th- thanks again, and uh, hopefully we could have you on soon. All good, Sean. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks again to Alex for coming on the show, and thanks to everyone else for listening. We'll be back in two weeks at the end of July for episode 14 in our conversation with Graf Golf CTO Mike Everly. Until then, hit them straight, and we'll see you soon.